0: Hi, I'm Zach, and welcome to the IB Voices podcast. While schools are primarily seen as places where young people acquire academic skills, schools also play a vital role in promoting student well being. Student well being consists of domains that include physical, psychological, cognitive, social, and economic well being, and can be defined as the ability to successfully, resiliently, and innovatively participate in the routines and activities important in a school context. The IB recently published a research study that investigated the impact of its Primary Years Program, or PYP, on well-being and social-emotional outcomes. Specifically, the research examines student well-being in PYP schools in Australia, as well as the relationship between the PYP curriculum and student well-being. In today's episode, I spoke with the co-authors of the study, Drs. Catherine Dix and Shani Sneeds Gregory, to dive into the research outcomes and what they reveal about PYP classrooms. Before we dive right into the PYP study, I wonder if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves to our listeners.
1: I'm Dr. Catherine Dix, um, I'm a senior research fellow at the Australian Council for Educational Research with 20 years experience in program evaluation, survey design, and statistical modeling. Hi, and I'm Dr. Shani sneerza gregory I'm a research
2: fellow with the Australian Council for Educational Research. And my research interests very much centre around the IB programs, but I'm also interested in second language acquisition and interdisciplinary teaching and learning. So
1: with my statistical expertise and Shaney's IB expertise, we made the perfect team for this particular piece of work.
0: It sounds like it. So how familiar were you with the PYP before you embarked on this study?
1: A little
2: familiar. Now, I'm a middle and high school teacher originally, and I taught the NYP and the diploma. But I'd also had a year's experience of teaching second language in a PYP setting. So it's relatively quite little experience, but um, enough to kind of launch into this program and this research very, very willingly to see if we could
1: see anything different.
0: Yeah, so what would you say is the purpose of this study? How how did this whole thing come about?
1: The study was designed to investigate the impact of the International Baccalaureate PYP program on student well-being and related social-emotional outcomes. So the IBO were very keen to see to what extent was the PYP having impact on student wellbeing? There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that that was happening, but there hadn't actually been a definitive study to draw those connections together.
0: Okay, great. So in the study, you examined data from PYP and non-PYP students. What did the findings reveal about wellbeing across student groups?
1: Yeah, the study was guided by several research questions, and one of those was to investigate the impact, you know, a sort of a control treatment comparison of students in PYP schools versus students in non PYP schools. So, what we did, rather than actually going to a survey approach, we looked at existing data. The Australian Council for Educational Research has its own social emotional well-being survey that we've been running for many years and have hundreds of thousands of cases, responses in that survey. So it was simply a matter of going and identifying the schools within that survey data and then finding that we had 13 IB schools and then we did a propensity school matched sample of similar schools that were non-PYP then that gave us our two cohorts of students and ultimately we found that there was an impact of the PYP and that student well-being was higher in schools that were PYP versus schools that were non-PYP but what we couldn't do with that information was ascertain to what extent the schools were also actively engaging in other wellbeing activities. But it did give us promising insights into whether the program was having a positive effect.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry if this sounds like a silly question, but what makes up wellbeing, especially wellbeing for a PYPH student?
2: As part of the study, we defined that for the research purposes. And we drew out from the literature that we define wellbeing through four categories. So we've got the cognitive, the social, the emotional, and the physical. And those four categories are also, we found that they're already picked up in the PYP documentation. So in terms of curriculum design, the PYP already talks about cognitive, social, emotional, and physical wellbeing.
0: And the study also found that there were differences in outcomes based on the quality of PYP implementation. Can you speak a bit to those findings?
2: So what we did after we'd looked at the existing data that ACER already holds, we administered a survey to PYP schools and these were just the PYP schools in Australia. We surveyed teachers and we surveyed students. And what we did as part of the teacher survey, we had extracted a collection of the IB standards and practices the ones that particularly speak to PYP implementation in the school and the ones that also pick up on elements of well-being in the curriculum. And we'd ask teachers to self-report against those standards and practices as to how their school was going with PYP implementation. Now, based on the teachers' responses, we could actually devise a PYP implementation index. So, again, it's self-reported data, but based on what the teachers have told us, we can actually see which schools think they're doing very, very well, and we can see which schools are simply still on a path to implementing the PYP. That led to the PYP index, where we can actually compare within PYP schools, depending on where they are in their PYP journey, and compare that against the wellbeing data that we also collected in the survey. And what we found with that is that schools who report that they are implementing the PYP to a very, very high standard. We also found that those are the schools where student wellbeing, teacher wellbeing, and school climate overall also have
1: higher levels. Importantly, with the survey now, knowing the schools, we could also ask another set of questions about to what extent were they implementing Mm. other wellbeing activities? Because we know that well is a hot topic and every school improvement framework has student well-being at the centre. So it was important to control for those other activities and also control things for mm. things like demographic backgrounds, you know, the SES status of the school so that any difference is seen we could more strongly attribute to the level of yep. PYP implementation and therefore more strongly attribute any impact to the PYP versus other things that might be happening in the school.
0: So I just want to touch on that for a moment when you say that elements of the PYP and the school are there any elements of the PYP curriculum specifically that seem to support well-being?
2: There's two main elements within the study that really speak to that. So we started out with the research in doing a comprehensive document analysis. So we went through all of the PYP curriculum documentation to see what already existed in terms of well-being. And the three elements that really stood out for us was firstly the IB learner profile, where we have aspirational attributes of the IB student. And that certainly does speak to both directly and indirectly to student well-being. We also found that the approaches to learning skill categories were very highly based in the concept of particularly social and emotional well-being, but also cognitive well-being to an extent. And for example, if you look at the approaches to learning skill categories, you'll see quite clearly that the social skills, the communication skills, and particularly the self-management skills very much speak to student wellbeing and encouraging that wellbeing across the curriculum. The third element that particularly stood out was the PSPE subject group. So that's personal, social and physical education. And that very much stood out as an opportunity in the documentation for schools to be implementing wellbeing. Now, what we also found... We found that teachers were actually telling us that they saw that the learner profile and the approaches to learning skill categories particularly were very, very helpful in helping them to encourage wellbeing in the school. When it comes to PSPE, schools were telling us that they were quite confident about physical education and encouraging physical wellbeing in the school they came across as less confident about implementing personal and social education across the curriculum. So that came across as clearly an opportunity where both the IB and schools can look at ways of encouraging that more into the future. But PSPE still came across as certainly an element in the curriculum where well-being is and can be encouraged more
1: we immediately saw when I was starting to look at the learner profile attributes and the approaches to learning that direct mapping to social-emotional learning skills. So um, Cassell, you know, they're out there. It was very easy for us to actually come yeah. up with a set of items that were measures of social-emotional learning that directly mapped back to the learner profile.
0: Were there any elements of the study that surprised you?
1: We had one fun endeavour where we actually wanted to try and define if classrooms were specifically tended towards one or you know a number of learner profile elements, and to see whether the style of classroom that the teacher promoted had different outcomes for student wellbeing. And there were three profiles that we came up with, and it wasn't strongly suggesting that there was differences, but it was interesting to be able to define that there were different classroom styles. I think the other one is simply overall that, you know, you always go into
2: research with an open mind and not expecting to see the data yeah. go one way or the other. And particularly in this research, schools in Australia generally have some sort of well-being program happening in the school. So we didn't necessarily expect to see any effect from the primary years program in terms of well-being. So, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, I think, Mm. to see that, yeah, there was higher levels of well-being in PYP students and consistently
1: high across the board. And, you know, the important approach that we took in terms of this PYP index has resulted in a really clear set of items now that any PYP school could assess themselves against, if you like, to see where they're at in their PYP journey with the research suggesting that high implementing PYP schools do have better social, emotional well-being outcomes on their students than schools that are still at that early stage of implementation.
0: That's fascinating and so great that, you know, these students and specifically the PYP age range are benefiting so much from the curriculum. And it sounds like it's being really well captured.
1: And the benefits weren't just for the students. They also extended to the staff. So the staff were more able to reflect on a positive school culture and the ethos, the collaboration Mm -hmm. that they had between staff, which is a very central theme of the PYP the importance around professional development to support their and and capacity build their understanding around wellbeing and how best to support their students in the classrooms, building that positive classroom culture. And because it's a primary years program, you know, there's the one teacher with the class for all of those subjects. So a teacher that does this well means that the students get high exposure to good quality teaching. The teacher is critical in this, and the PYP program really provided a really sound structure around supporting good quality teaching pedagogy.
0: Absolutely. So that kind of leads me into my last question, which is what are some of the key takeaways that a PYP school could take from the study?
1: It was really critical that we demonstrated a clear line of evidence leading towards whatever result we were going to report. So we tackled this in three different ways. First we looked at the literature and we looked at the documents in the, the PYP and did a sort of document analysis looking for potential evidence of wellbeing in there and it was throughout. So that was our first early indication that there might be something there. We then did the matched control treatment assessment in the existing data using the ACER social emotional well-being data and that provided further evidence to suggest that PYP schools were having better outcomes for student well-being than non-PYP schools but we couldn't separate out of that what other activities the schools were doing so it provided more Information, but we weren't happy to just leave it there. So that's when we went to survey PYP schools and established to what extent they were implementing the PYP with the assertion that high implementing schools would have a better outcome. And, you know, that's exactly what came through. So on that front, we were very happy with being able to make the claims that we've now been able to make in terms of attributing the benefits of the PYP to student wellbeing outcomes.
2: So I think from the classroom perspective, the first thing you want to know is, am I making a difference? And I think what we've found and what we've seen in this research is that, yes, absolutely, PYP teachers are making a difference and a positive difference to student wellbeing. So what can they keep doing? they can keep implementing the PYP in the classroom to the best of their ability, and keep encouraging the school as a whole to improve in PYP implementation, because high implementing PYP schools are found to have better outcomes. If there's one element that we can look to work on, we can see that staff and schools are quite confident in terms of the physical education component, The personal and social education component doesn't every teacher is a personal and social education teacher. So I think there's some opportunities there, and this is what the schools have told us, that there's an opportunity there where schools and the IB can come together to improve how the personal and social education component can be implemented.
0: A finding like that is, I think, one of the things that makes me really proud to be a part of the IB. I think that they're always trying to improve the curriculum, make it better. I mean, I think that it's really apparent in the DP, for example, where every seven years, certain courses are evaluated and updated. So I have a lot of confidence that this will be addressed as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's that mindset of aiming towards constant improvement. It's simply that attitude that We can always do better. It doesn't matter how well we're doing. We can always do better. We can always try things differently to see if that leads to improved outcomes.
0: Thank you both so much for your time and for doing this incredible research that I know is going to impact our PYP schools and the students, the teachers, and of course their families too, for the better. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Zach.
0: To read the full study or the research snapshot for the impact of the IB Primary Years program on student well-being and other related social-emotional learning outcomes, visit ibo.org/slash research. Thank you so much to our special guests, and thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to IB Voices on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else fine podcasts are streamed. Or check out other episodes on ibo.org slash podcasts. Okay, listeners, be safe, be well, and we'll be back soon with more stories from our students, schools, educators, and more.